Hello besties, welcome back to another episode of Life Gets Weird. Today's episode is a bit different and I am extremely giggly and nervous because of it, but my bestie Veronica is here and she's obviously the first podcast guest I've ever had. I did tell people I wouldn't have a podcast guest until Phoebe Bridges would come on. <laughs> so <laughs> things have changed a bit. I am literally taking your virginity right now. No, absolutely. <laughs> Many things this week, actually. But um, yeah, Veronica is here. So I'll say if you listen to Miss Eli Rallo's podcast, then you know who Veronica is. But if you don't, I'm I'm Veronica of Ronnie <laughs> Recaps fame. If you if you're a listener, if yes. you're not, hi, I'm V. I'm Mary's friend. <laughs> Are you gonna give us a bit more? A bit more? What yeah. Do want? Well, like, how old are you? Where are you from? Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm 24. Mm-hmm. I'm from like the tri-state area, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, depending on the year. <laughs> Lived in all three at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently just moved back from London. I was living there for around four years. Um, just moved back to the States and I'm now living with my mom in the Hamptons. Um, hopefully moving out of home soon, but <laughs> I need a job. So if anyone listening to this... Um, actually is looking to hire anyone for remote work in marketing or PR, I, I will send you a resume. Please reach out. I'm, I need work. Thank you. And that's legit. Please do actually no, reach out. Like that's actually... not a joke. In any capacity, please do not perceive it as such. This is a serious call out. Yeah, guys, it's right out here. <laughs> LinkedIn, not my friend. Well, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that intro. We'll get to know you a bit better throughout. But this episode, as I put on my Instagram story, is going to be about making friendships in adulthood. And V and I can really just talk shit about anything. So it probably will talk about like so many other topics. Yeah, but I love a tangent. Yeah, we do. But that will be like the main focus. And because of that, we should probably get into how we met. How did we meet? Which is like, a great story, I so think. <laughs> if you guys don't know Eli, Eli is... Um, the Jar on TikTok. Not anymore, now she's Eli Rollo. Well, she's always going to be the jar. the jar. If you know The Jar, if you know Eli, Eli Rollo, um, she's been my bestie for like a decade now. Um, and she came to visit me in London and we decided to go to Soul Cycle. And as we were descending the stairs um one mary steven <laughs> did a running jump attack hug um and that's how we met yeah um so yeah mary and eli were mutuals on tiktok and uh they met in person for the first time at this soul cycle class and then mary and i became friends once eli um went back home mary and i started hanging out and it was loads of fun we had a lot of fun yeah we did it was quite yeah, it was a love at first sight situation. So true. We just met and then love we knew Eli bite. was going. Yes, That's love funny. at first sight. We knew Eli was going back to New York and both of us still lived in London. And so we we made a pact that even when Eli left, <laughs> we'd be friends. We'd be friends. I, I always love more friends. Yeah. And then you really did introduce me to all of my like closest friends now. Slay. Yeah. Wow, you make me sound so good. I love this. No, Veronica is I'm like such the a good friendship <laughs> hookup. Like so many people. Um, but yeah, because you really did have your own group in London already that you had like formed 
multiple different friendships over yeah. different years and places. And well, it's funny because the the group kind of there were some consistent members. Yeah, <laughs> but I think really only Ali and I. Ali, if you're listening, we love you. We love you, um, Ali. Can you get podcasts in Dubai? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know what they have there. Um, maybe not because I mark mine as explicit. Oh, maybe not then. <laughs> Sorry, Ali. Anyways, well, you can't um, this. <laughs> Yeah. So Ali and I were like the consistent like members, I guess, especially because we lived together. And then during COVID, like we had a group, and then the following year we had a group, and then some people exited that group, and then some new people joined that group. So yeah. like, isn't ever-changing friend group dynamic so we're always looking for new people yeah I feel like I am the most recent member still little baby I guess yeah newbie to the group oh my god newbie but I feel like I've known you guys forever it's so funny I don't know I think good friends are like that though yeah well I also like um just kind of do this thing where I meet people and then I start treating them as if we're already friends yeah you did that with me yeah I do it with everyone because like it's so it feels so weird and like disingenuous for me to be like hey how would you feel about getting lunch and like acting like yeah you know you're like asking someone out on a date I'm like let's go for lunch like oh my god would love to see you yeah and I act as if we're already like friends and that's a normal thing to do and I think that is like that's your form it. of manifestation with friendships. I you just think make I'm it happen. I'm just like, oh, we're already friends. Let's do the damn thing. Okay, great. So I did ask you guys on Instagram to send in some questions, and they kind of can be put into different categories, I would say. So they're a generalized version of the ones you sent in. Some have some specifics because I thought they were essential and we can like explore different avenues with them. But most of them are vague but we'll touch on everything. But one of you is very intrigued (laughs) to know why Miss Veronica was studying in the UK. And I also think it's super interesting because you initially didn't start studying in the UK. Correct. And you went to my dream school. Oh my gosh. You went to NYU. I did. And yeah, so let's let's talk about why you switched. Okay. And then we'll get into the rest. I think we need to rewind even further actually and talk about high school Mm -hmm. so I went to boarding school and um when I was there I was pretty dead set on going to the University of Michigan and I was it it was not really a total reach school for me I you know was kind of in the higher end of their test scores the higher end of their GPAs like I felt like I was a pretty good candidate um and I was pretty dead set on going there. And I had toured a bunch of schools, like, junior year, so the mm-hmm. year before senior year. I had toured a bunch of schools um, that I ended up not liking. And the only one I still liked at that point was Michigan. Okay. So I just figured, okay, I'll apply there and I'll go there, and which was very, like, naive and silly looking <laughs> back. But I ended up getting deferred from their early admissions, which means... I didn't get accepted in the early round and I was now going to be considered in the regular round, Mm -hmm. which meant there was now a chance of rejection. And I um, didn't have any other schools that I was interested in applying to. So I came back from Christmas break, super upset about getting deferred, met with my college counselor. And I had about two weeks to put together not only applications for a bunch of different schools, but I had to put together a list of schools that I was even going to apply to. Yeah. Okay. So 
I just out of nowhere kind of said, okay, I guess these will be the schools and we'll do that. And wrote some super last minute rush applications, sent them off. And so that's how I ended up at NYU, which looking back now, um, that process, I would not suggest that that's how anyone (laughs) goes about it. I don't think there's a way to predict if you'll like a school, like really with a hundred percent certainty, but doing it so rushed like that, I never really had the time to like consider what schools I was going to like and what schools I wasn't going to like. So, um, I didn't really think too much about NYU when I sent out the application, but I got in. And then when I was looking at the other schools that I had applied to, it was the one that just seemed like it made the most sense for a bunch of different reasons. So whatever, that being said, I end up at NYU First semester was a lot of fun, a lot of partying, a lot of not going to class. Okay. Um, And that got old super, super quickly. (laughs) Um, And I just started to look around and be like, I don't really feel like this is a place where I'm currently happy. I don't feel like this is a place where I'm going to be happy. I think I just need to like move on. Yeah. And at this point, when I had like come to that conclusion and really, I knew I wasn't happy, but realizing that like NYU was not going to be the place where I was going to find happiness, it was past the deadline for transfer applications. Okay. So I kind of had to stick it out for another year or take a year off. And I ended up just like dropping out, withdrawing my like student status de-enrolled or whatever the term is um dropout will do a couple of dropouts here yeah and I said I'm moving to London and I did yeah and I nannied in London for a bit and then I was traveling kind of around Europe and then during that whole process I decided I wanted to stay in London so I kind of originally was just like felt like I needed to get out of Dodge and London was like random and I didn't really think I was going to be staying there I thought oh I'll be there for a year maybe Mm -hmm. um And then I ended up studying in London because I loved living there so much and I knew I wanted to stay. And the only real avenue through which I could stay without like a visa or anything was being a student. No one was going to give me a job. So (laughs) I decided to go back to school. And um, I also, when I was at NYU, was studying mathematical analytics. That was like my um, intended major. That's the term, I think. I think people may now put like two and two together that I've mentioned, like, I met this girl and she's like the smartest person I've ever met. <laughs> this is Veronica. Like, this is the person Stop. I'm talking about when I'm like, I met this person who has like the best brain ever. Oh my God. Like, Very you nice are a fucking you. genius. I just really like, like knowing things. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds stupid, but I would much rather like watch a video essay and like learn something than like watch TV. Yeah. So I don't even think that it's like that I'm so like naturally inherently smarter than other people. But I think just like my interests and how I like to spend my free time are Mm -hmm. like a bit more academic and then I just have a good memory. So I just like things that I like have heard other people say. But um, yeah, so I was studying math and now that I knew that I was like looking at schools in London, I knew I really didn't want to do that. And I wanted to do something a bit more creative. So I ended up um, in the digital culture program at King's College. So that's where I was in London. I was there for three years. So I was there for a year out of school and then the three years of uni. And then I moved home. 
And here we are. Here we are. Look at us. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> so for me personally, I think the first time I ever realized that like I have to make friends in life was going to university. Up until that point, I'd never really felt the pressure mm. to be like, oh, like I have to make friends. Like even the switch from primary school to secondary school, like I was nervous, but I was like, well, I had friends in primary school. So like, I'm going to have friends in secondary school, you know, yeah. you're young enough and naive enough to be like, that's how it works. And then by the time I was 16 and go into sixth form, my biggest priority was getting out of a Catholic school, not so much whether or not I had friends in the yeah, place that I was going. Yeah, that wasn't the main focus. Yeah. And then uni comes along and I'm like, I don't know anyone or anything. I've never been to this city to like stay longer than five hours. And I have to live here for the next year. So obviously I'm like panic attack central. And I took a year out because I just wasn't mentally stable enough to go to uni yet. So, <laughs> like people are always like, oh my God, like you didn't go to uni straight away. Like, where did you go? I'm like, too bad. Um, yeah, no, I did that. And then went to university and it was like such a shock to the system. And because I took a year out, I was also a year older than everyone else at Freshers. And obviously you went to King's after the introduction year for your age group. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is making friendships at university mm. initially is like, you don't know anyone, like yeah. it's university. The whole point is that it's universal. Every, anyone, everyone can be there. And that in and of itself is difficult as well. Like obviously, but going in knowing one, you're American. Yeah. You're a year older. Yeah. You have never been in a British education system mm. before. How did you go from that initial, like, I'm I'm going to do this, I'm going to commit to this, it's going to be different, to I'm in London and I have my life here, I have my friends here, this is me now, like, this is yeah. home. I've never been, like, worried about making friends, yeah. and I think, like, I was just always in so many situations where I had to, where I did actually know nobody, Yeah, and, you know, going to sleepaway camp, you show up and you don't know anybody. And I actually started sleepaway camp later than like all the girls who were in my bunk. So they all kind of knew each other and I didn't know them. So it was like that kind of experience. You know, I've done a bunch of summer programs where you're just like, I did one at Brown where you're, you just show up and yeah. you don't know anybody. I did another summer program at USC and ended up meeting one of my best friends, Lily. Love Lily. Um, and so I was, I had been in many, many situations where I had to make all new friends or like at least in that environment I didn't already have friends going in and it was a combination of both situations where nobody knew anybody else you know everybody was coming in looking yeah. for friends but also there was a lot of situations where I was coming in and I was the new person and everybody else already knew each other and like when I left the private school that I had gone to my whole life through, you know, eighth grade to go to our like public high school. Most of those kids starting at that public high school had all gone to the public middle schools together. So they all knew each other. So okay. I was like the new girl. And then when I left that school to go to boarding school, I wasn't starting at first year. So everyone else knew each other. And I was like the odd man out or not the odd man out, but I was the new kid. And so going to university, I think having all of those experiences, that wasn't scary to me because I think it's so much easier when the playing field is level in the sense that nobody knows each yeah. other. 
I think it's much harder, not impossible or, you know, you won't ever make friends if people already know each other. But I think university, like, there's absolutely no reason to be scared about how it's going to work out Mm friend-wise because every single person there is in the same shoes. Every single person there is looking for friends. Yeah. And I think, like, what is the worst thing that happens if you put yourself out there? I always ask myself that. What, like, realistically, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, obviously, the zombie apocalypse won't start. So I'm realistic with myself. And the worst thing that happens is someone, like, doesn't want to be your friend. And it's like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you want to be friends with someone who doesn't want to be your friend anyway? No. So I think, like, I just have always had that mentality and I've never you know, put too much pressure on it. And I find that like, just put yourself out there, be yourself and it always works out. But that's why like, I knew that we had to talk about this topic because we are like the polar opposite in that aspect. Yeah. Because my reaction is like, I know everybody else is new, but like I'm new and it's killing me and me (laughs) only. So like, I'm not gonna like I'm gonna be the weird one yeah and I'm overthinking it from the lens of like even though I've done this before like I like this is too much now well I think also like I've been in your shoes where I've been the new person and there have been so many people in situations like that that were so welcoming to me and really included me in so many things that after having those experiences I've been like okay I need to pay that forward and like yeah. Now when I'm on the other side of that and there's a new person to be brought in, I feel like I'm super cognizant of like making sure to include them. And I think that like kind of format goes for so many things in friendship. Like you'll always be on like both sides of things, you know, like there might be a point in your life where you're on one side and like then later you're on the other and you can like reflect on how you were treated, whether it was like good or bad. And you can use that to inform like how you want to move going forward. And I think with friends, it's like, I have had such good friends and I've been so lucky to have so many incredible friends that that is like what informs how I want to be as a friend, you know, rather than just being like, Oh, but it's just natural. And it's just, yes, who I am. It's just who I am. It's like, that's so not true. You know? And I don't think that's true for anybody. Like no one like is born this amazing person. You walk through the world and you see how people treat others and you decide based off of that kind of like observation, what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And I think like, I think you're the kind of person now that like, you now have the opportunity to be on the other side of it where like you were the new person and you were brought into the group where you can be like oh my god this is Susie and like let's all be friends with Susie that like I don't know I think you have friendship is really to me all about paying it forward yeah more often than not we we take bits of everyone else with us always yeah and I think the only time you don't is when you actively try not to yeah you can't like avoid it exactly like And I think, I don't know, a lot of people are so hyper-concerned with, like, making friends or having bad friends or how to find new friends. And I think the answer to all of those questions starts with, like, deciding yourself to be a better friend. You know, and I don't mean that, like, oh, your friends are bad friends because you're not a good friend. I don't mean that, but I mean, like, I really think that if you are super intentional about being a good friend and an inclusive person and 
you know, really thinking about others, you will find that you make friendships that are so much more fulfilling rather than asking yourself, how can I seek out fulfilling friendships? Like start internally and be like, what have I seen that's been good Mm -hmm. and bad in my friendships? And how does that change who I want to be as a friend? And then the end result will be making friendships that you're much happier in and that are much more fulfilling because you started like with you. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't, and I don't mean to say that people are bad, like everyone's a bad friend because most people aren't like most people are good friends. But I think the more intentional you are with like your behavior as a friend based off of what you've experienced in Mm -hmm. friendships, the better results you'll have. Okay. Yeah, I agree. True. See, show up as the people that you want in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know, every time I like have a bad experience with a friend, the silver lining of that is I'm like, oh, okay. Like I definitely, that really hurt my feelings. And I definitely have I potentially done something like that to my friends in the past. And like, mm-hmm. should I apologize for that? Yeah. And like, sh- how can I make sure that I don't do those things going forward? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to come back to that specific point about, like, learning things and, like, Mm. showing up in friendship because I think that's such a crucial thing that, like, I've been so aware of in the past year. So we'll come back to that. But going into general friendships, we'll leave the university aspect out of it. Someone asked how to move on from friendships that make you feel bad and their fear is that if they have to move on from it, then they're going to be lonely without the friend. Oh my and gosh. Well, that's a horrible one, feeling. Yeah, but I also think like step one is being okay with being alone. Absolutely. I think like when I first moved to London, I really didn't know anybody and I was spending so much time by myself and it was the most formative experience of my entire life that like you need to look bigger picture and you need to say to yourself, like, these friendships aren't serving me. I'm not happy in them. They're not bringing me joy. They're actually having a negative impact on my life. Mm -hmm. And yes, the immediate result might be me being lonely, but what is the result of that going to be like big picture long-term? And it's like, first of all, spending time with yourself is such a journey in self-discovery and is so important, but also like, long term if you're lonely for a short period of time is that not worth it to the in the end be in friendships that are super fulfilling so worth it. like there's never in my mind a point in staying friends with people who really truly aren't serving you and there's no option for course correction Mm -hmm. you know if you have issues with your friends that you actually think could genuinely be dealt with and change would result in that don't just cut off a friend because you're like, well, they're not, oh, it's not serving me, you know? But if they're, if you really have like reflected and said, like, I don't think these people are capable of changing. I don't think I'm going to find what I'm looking for in these friendships, no matter how many conversations are had. It's time to cut the cord. Yeah. Like it's definitely emotional. It's definitely scary being lonely, but I think you just have to lean into that. Like Being by yourself and understanding who you are will once again make you a better friend and result in you finding better friendships. Every single time. And I think, I mean, I know I've personally done that a million times and like stayed in a friendship, especially in like transitional periods in my life. You know, the month before I went to uni, 
I was like, I really am not in a position to be cutting people out of my life. Like I'm about to go into a place I had no friends. Like I need to hold on to that. And I remember I held on to this friendship for the entirety of my first year at uni for no reason. And we, it was a total detriment. We hated yourself. each other. Yeah. We absolutely hated each other. And the fact that we were long distance made it worse because now we were fighting about not seeing each other. Yeah. And it's like neither of us wanted to see each other. Well, the other thing too is like, if you're thinking about like lonely in a literal sense, like I don't have friends around, that's an issue that's more easily dealt with. If you're talking about like internal loneliness, mm -hmm. no matter how many people you surround yourself with, like you cannot be in a room so large that like that will go away. That's yeah, an that's internal it. battle yeah. you have to, you know, figure out how to overcome. But if you're just worried about being lonely, meaning like I won't have plans on Saturday night, oh my God, get on Bumble BFF, get on a Facebook page for your city. Join because, a run club. Well, I think also people are like embarrassed at the potential of being like literally like physically lonely. Like they don't have people around and they yeah. don't have plans and whatever. And the thing about that is like, if you're embarrassed, okay, sit with that and think about it. But also like get on Bumble BFF. It's <laughs> full of people who are also in the same situation and are also saying I they have actually vocalized literally by the fact that they're on these apps or they're part of these Facebook pages that they're looking for friends yeah so there's no embarrassment if you're doing what everybody else is doing you know mm -hmm. what I mean if you're part of a group where girls are posting on a Facebook page saying hey I just moved to this city or you know I've been living here I don't have a lot of friends I've been looking for like-minded girls to hang out with you know you're posting that to a safe space where every single other person either has been in your shoes or is currently in your shoes. Yeah. That it's like, if you're worried about being like literally lonely, don't be because you could make plans with someone that day. Like, I think people let their like own embarrassment or own like personal perceptions get the best of them. And... You just need to say, F that. <laughs> I'm going to make new friends. I do think, though, like, yeah, it's... A lot of the time it is embarrassment. And it's this idea that... It's so silly. Yeah, join in a club or Bumble BFF. It's like giving in and saying, like, I'm lonely. And that's an embarrassing thing to admit. Like, that's what the, the embarrassment means, you know? Like, this yeah. is a thing that I shouldn't be doing. And I don't want to broadcast that I'm doing. But I also think that there are a lot of people who are scared of loneliness and they're scared of that loneliness because the the idea of having to make friends again may bring back these feelings of, I remember when I was rejected from that group and like, that's why I'm lonely now. You know, like they're, yeah. like sometimes people do have such bad experiences that really reinforce this idea that I, you know I'm what? not going to embarrass myself. Tough love listeners, listen up. If that's a genuine concern of yours... If you're so worried about potentially being rejected that you're not going to put yourself out there, you have two options. Get over yourself. And if you can't get over yourself, get yourself to therapy. And if you can't get yourself to therapy, record video, diary, do what you have to do. There are things you can do that are free forms of therapy because rejection is simply a part of life. And if you walk through life scared of rejection at every turn, you will miss out on literally everything. 
I feel like there are so many things that are pretty much anything in life that is fulfilling. The chance of rejection is possible. The chance of embarrassment is possible. And if you don't find a way to get over that, that is going to alter every decision you make, everything that you do, every relationship you're in, and you will not find as much joy out of life. And it's like, that is a really hard pill to swallow sometimes, but you you just have to get over it. You like, do. you really do. Yeah. And I think, like, friendships are going to end, people are going to break up, bad things are going to happen, but you will never have access to any good thing if you don't also open yourself up to bad things. And we all have to find a way to be okay with that fact. And it, if you're n- currently not okay with that fact, that can be like a scary thing to have to try and come to terms with. I know for a long time I felt that way, but you just have to decide. You have to make a decision and say, I'm going to figure out a way to change my mindset. Because if you don't intentionally do that, you will never be able to find fulfillment out of life. I think that's a really good segue into the next question because opening yourself up in friendships is absolutely terrifying sometimes. And a lot of people wanted to know how you get into deep, genuine relationships. And I think this is like so special in friendships because you never have the same deep connection with every friend. Mm. You never speak about the exact same deep topics with every single friend. Yeah. And, you know, I remember the first time we ever had, like, a deep conversation. Oh, my God. Probably because I'm a chronic oversharer. No. Just like, no, but we both life. are. And we're just like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's the sun is rising. And we're like, we've clocked into age five now in the diary of where we're at. And we're like, oh, my God. But. You know, we started at age four. It took me, like, 12 <laughs> hours to get through one year of life. But it's so, like, special sometimes to walk away from those moments and be like, you know, my friend has trusted me with that. But also sometimes I know I walk away from moments. I get in my Uber, you know, I'm a chronic lever at random moments, get in my Uber and I'm like, I feel naked. I feel absolutely stripped bare. And I'm like, I just expose myself to someone. And the fear I think for me stems from if they leave me, they know this information about me. And this is something I trusted them with. And the fear is like, I now am showing I don't trust them to stay with me. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know. I think two things. One, I think the concept that trust is earned is ludicrous. Mm -hmm. You give trust to people. You put your trust in people. And I think that's, again, a risk you have to be willing to take in friendships. Because there's nothing anyone can do or say to prove to you without a shadow of a doubt that they're trustworthy mm-hmm. it just doesn't there's not a single action that exists that would a hundred percent cement that is true um people might do things that would lead you to believe you can trust them and then you might find that they've broken your trust and people might not do anything to prove that you can trust them but it turns out they were actually the most trustworthy friend you had yeah so i think the idea that like you need to wait for people to like earn your trust is a bit silly. I think you decide to give your trust to people and um, you make that decision based on a multitude of things. But um, I think the other thing is that 
you have to realize that not every friend will fulfill every and all function. And, you know, that's uh, on purpose. You know, we can't have all of our friends be our adventure friend and our going to Pilates friend and our talking shit about our hometown bullies friend. And <laughs> yeah. our, you know, like not every friend is going to fulfill every role. And I think you have to reflect on like the current friendship that you have and say like, is this a person that I really think is equipped to handle my, you know, emotional needs in this friendship? And are they a person that I actually want to confide in because I think they'll be receptive of it. And I think they'll, it'll serve the purpose of making our friendship stronger. Um, I think like, it's important to like have those conversations with yourself because I think the issue is that a lot of people confide in friends that were never going to be in that category. They were never going to be the friend they could be vulnerable with. They're the party friend, the fun friend, the going out friend. And there's nothing wrong with those friendships and they're not any less valuable. They're just valuable in a completely different way. And I think you have to ask yourself, like, why are you placing value in this particular friendship? And if none of those things are telling you because there's like an emotional connection between you and that other person, they're probably just not the friend you're going to confide in. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have those friends, keep looking. They're out there. So knowing that and knowing that each friend brings something different, not all friends are going to be the friends that you're going to cry in their arms. Not all friends actually care to know about your trauma. There are, you know, different things. Knowing all of that, if the situation appears that this is a friend in which you're like, I can have a deep, genuine, like, connection with this person on, like, a profound level. We talk about, you know, feelings and the state of the world and how it affects us. You know, you're safe friends. How would you go about forming those genuine connections? Probably not the person to answer this, because I am a chronic oversharer. Like, yeah. I just sometimes find myself being like, <sighs> and it all started at age six. Like, <laughs> I just sometimes do that. And I think it's because I'm a pretty open book. I don't have a lot of like secrets in that sense. Like if a lot of the things that I'm telling people, I think I'm just not scared about them being shared publicly because I don't really hold any shame about yeah, like any so aspect of my though. life. And I think it's like a huge privilege to say that. Um, and I'm really lucky that I'm able to say that. So you I also, by the way, have had an amazing therapist, may I add. Oh my God. Veronica yeah. is, let's clear things up. People don't just leave the womb with a <laughs> mind this healthy, okay? Like, no, and, but that's also a privilege. Like, yeah, but I'm just clarifying yeah. because I know, you know, before me and you had ever spoken about yeah. your therapist, I was like, how the fuck is this girl so mentally stable? And it was like, oh my God, like we're the same age and she's like got the shit together. Yeah. And well, it's, also, yeah. therapy, while it is a privilege, it is also like, there are ways to access therapy that are much more accessible than people think. Like before, you know, you say, oh, I couldn't afford that. Or I wouldn't have time for that or whatever. Like do your research and see if it actually is a possibility for you. Because I know so many people who thought that it would never be an option for them who are now in therapy and mm -hmm. figured out a way to make it work for them. And they love it. Like I know so many therapists in the UK offer like severe student discounts. Like if you if you're a university student or like 
you're in A-levels or whatever, like, you can see them for, like, less than 50 pounds, which, like, still is, like, money, you know, it's not mm-hmm. free, but obviously that's much more accessible than, you know, someone who's charging you 400 pounds an hour. Yeah. So I think before you write off therapy, do your research. Um, Absolutely. That I would say. We say that a lot on this podcast, <laughs> even though I've ghosted many a therapist. Yeah, but I, I think... do always say you have to try. Yeah. And that's the most important part. Oh, for sure. And I think though, that's a huge thing for me that I've never been too worried about opening up to people emotionally because I've gotten to a place where I just don't actually feel a lot of shame about the things I would be confiding in. And that doesn't mean like I'm publishing them myself on the front page of the times, but it is a lot of things that like, if people, you know, happen to share them with other people, I'd be upset at like, you know, my confidence being betrayed, but I wouldn't be upset that that information's out there. So I think like, I can't really answer that question because if you're in a place where like you would be terrified about that information getting out there I think of course it's harder to decide to put your trust in people and it's harder to decide to open up but you know I think you start small like there are things we all don't tell everybody we meet that are not that big of a deal yeah you know and I think you start with the small things and you say like you know, I want to talk to you about something or, and I think it's so easy also to lay that foundation. That's really all that you need to do is you need to lay the foundation that like these emotional conversations can be had. And then you can build on that up to a point where you feel like this is someone you can confide in about anything, but it's so easy to like say like, Hey, can I talk to you? And be like, my boyfriend and I had this conversation and I feel kind of upset about it. Or my mom and I had this conversation and I feel kind of upset about it. Or you know, this thing has been going on at work and like, I'm a bit bothered by it. And I want to talk to somebody about it. Like there are really small ways you can start confiding in people. And that makes it so much less scary when you want to confide about like larger things. If you don't have that foundation, you're going in blind. Yeah. And I don't really think it's plausible to be comfortable with being like, and that's how I found out. Like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. like I just don't think if there's no foundation, that's like, first of all, a conversation that you should be having or could be having or wouldn't be scary to have. Mm-hmm. I think it's like most people don't open up about anything or don't confide about anything and then are like, oh, I really need to talk to someone about this and I don't have anyone to go to. And it's like, well, it's because you don't have that foundation. Yeah. You know, and I think that's like an important thing to always be doing. And it's also, I think, super beneficial in friendships because other people want to talk to you too. You know, if you want to confide in other people, other people want to confide yeah, in you. Absolutely. Like people are always looking to, you know, kind of like unshoulder their burden. And I think it's a really good thing to be like, Hey, can I talk to you about this thing? And kind of open up the floor because then people feel more comfortable sharing with you. And that's good on a selfish level for your friendship and for you, but it's also good for the person you're talking to that they yeah. get to, you know, share their things as well. So this next question is very relevant to me and V right now and where we're at in our friendship. Um, because Veronica has moved halfway across the world. Yeah. <laughs> I've lost my husband. <laughs> when will my husband return from No, war? literally. But it's also, like, not to be like, oh, I'm so good at this, but, like, I, when I was in London, all of my friendships yes. with people from the States were long distance for four years. And you nailed it so well. So this is really your question because... My friendships 
across countries have always started the way that they are. You know what I mean? So oh. like if like most of my friends in the US I met online. Yeah. So they were always in the US. And you're really my first friend that I've met in London that's gone. Went from not long distance yeah. to long distance. Yeah. And so this is very new territory for me. Like I, you know, like my friends who have always been here, I'm just like, well, they've always been there, you know. I see them when I fly out to New York. Yeah, it's like, we have our time and it's always been that way. We see each other twice a year, but our friendship is built on that. Whereas we've gone from seeing each other every single day, night and day, like nonstop for months. Yeah. To suddenly, we're on different time zones. We are no longer a 10 minute drive away from each other. Like we are so completely opposite. And for me... I'll say the biggest thing that this has taught me is to meet people where they are. You taught yeah. me that, but like you leaving really home that in for me because I never ever understood the value of FaceTime, of phone calls, yeah. of texts. I like when we first met, I am the worst person to reach out to. Like I do not respond to anyone. My phone is consistently on do not disturb. <laughs> and you know, you would always ring me. And I remember, I think when we first met, I didn't even have the FaceTime app on my phone. Like you'd be like, I FaceTimed you. And I was like, oh, didn't get it. Hey, maybe like, and then, you know, as time went on, I was like, oh, like V FaceTime me. Like I'd pick it up because I was like, oh, well, Veronica FaceTime. So whatever. But then you moved away and it was really like, this is this time where you're needing to FaceTime me is the time we would have been spending together in person. Yeah. And I can't just be like, well, it's FaceTime, so it's not the same. Because it is. Yeah. Like, that time was so important for us when you were at home. Why wouldn't it still be important for us now? And I think I was like, you know, not being a pick-me bitch, but like, my parents had friendships and they hand-wrote letters and they survived. And it's like, no, Mary, like, like I'm a literal fucking TikToker. Like, Get I really need to keep bitch. up with the times. Like, we're FaceTiming now. And I yeah. really was... Like, I, I died on that hill. I was like, why would someone be upset that I don't FaceTime them? Like, oh. And now I'm like, no, like, that's such an expression of love. Like, it's actually a love language. Yeah. And, like, I just, I don't know. I think because, like, I was just so set in my ways. Like, if you were my friend across country, I saw you when I saw you. And if yeah. you were my friend in London, I'll see you today. And that was just how it was. And, like, like now I'm like, oh my God, like Veronica's actually not down the road. Like I'm going to go fucking insane. Like what the hell? <laughs> I'm like, we, yeah, I do, you know, need to be the person that downloads the fucking FaceTime app when they get a new phone and not delete it. And like, that's definitely been my biggest takeaway. But like you said, you, you've been doing the long distance yeah. friendships and going to boarding school means that you have friends all over and going to two different universities and two very big universities yeah. also means you have friends all over. So yeah, that question really is for you. Okay. So you take the floor, Queen. I have three points. <laughs> okay, go off. Point number one mm-hmm. is you have to pretty immediately accept the fact that not all friendships will, can, or are meant to survive long distance. That is a fact. <laughs> it's true of relationships. It's true of friendships. Some friendships, unfortunately, only work when you have a very close literal close proximity to that person yeah so you just have to accept that first thing off the bat because if you don't you will find yourself disappointed you just have to accept that that is a fact and going into a long distance 
friendship or relationship, you know that that's the case. The second thing is you really have to be willing to compromise with that person on your your own individual communication needs. I have friendships that are still so strong where we talk maybe three times a year. Mm -hmm. I have friendships that we talk every single day. And with all of those people, we both... Um, both parties have kind of decided what is going to work and be sustainable for us, whether that was a literal conversation or we've just come to a mutual understanding through the reality of navigating a long distance friendship. Um, but you have to meet people in the middle and figure out, you know, what is going to work. And that also means some people are busy and don't want to be FaceTiming, phone calling all the time. They just literally don't have the time or it doesn't work for them and whatever. And if that is the case, like if they can only move so close to the middle, you kind of do have to meet them there. If it's a friendship you want to keep. So you have to compromise. And that doesn't always mean 50-50. Sometimes compromising means you give up a lot more or you give up a lot less. Compromising just means finding somewhere in the middle that works for both parties. The third thing is really figuring out when you're going to be seeing each other next. Yeah. And whether that's like a tentative plan of like, okay, I'm going to be home, you know, I'm going to be home in December for Christmas. I'm visiting my family and this person will also be in the same town or same general area. If you know that that's going to happen, make plans with that person. Don't just assume that it's going to work out and you're going to be able to see each other. But also, if you have the financial ability and the, you know, work flexibility and the freedom, go travel and see your friends or have your friends come visit you. Mm-hmm. Figure out a way in which you can actually be seeing each other. And it doesn't need to be consistent. You know, you don't need to be seeing each other every two months or whatever. But have that on your mind. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like, you know, we talk, I, you know, my friend Susie, I don't know. I guys, I always use Susie as like my yeah, like my John Doe, but I don't even know someone named Susie. But like, but if you're like, oh my god, I haven't seen Susie in a while. You know, the next time you get on a Facetime or a phone call, compare your schedules. Figure out is it possible for one of us to travel to go see the other, or is there going to be a time where we align and happen to be in the same place, like? Or if you know it's not going to happen for years and it's not possible for years, figure out, okay, in X amount of years, it should be possible for us to see each other. Like, you just have to be thinking much longer term with long distance friendships because you don't have the the ability to say, let's go get coffee this weekend. So you, like, I think it's super, super helpful to know when you're going to see somebody next or know at least when it's going to be possible to see them next and then you can make plans based off that. But I think those are the three things that are the most important. One is you just, you have to accept that not everything's going to work out. Two, communicate in a way that works for both of you. And even like some of my friends, like we schedule in phone calls. Yeah. Like some of my friends were like, okay, tomorrow at 2pm. They got on the same time zone have to schedule in your Yeah, because we're in three different time zones. Like I have friends where they're like, I'm free for 15 minutes tomorrow, whatever. Or even like when I'd be home for the holidays and other friends would be home for the holidays. Sometimes people only have time to like make a coffee work. And if that's all you have time for, make it work. Yeah. 
you know? So, like, figuring out when you're going to see people in person, figuring out how you're going to communicate and accepting that it's not a foolproof thing and it just might not work is the best recipe for success. I think if you don't accept that it's not going to work, you're, um, or don't accept that there's a chance things might not work, people are really unwilling to compromise then. Yeah. You know, if you know... You're seeing it from two different angles. Yeah, like, if you're only looking at the situation saying success is the only option, that's a really, like, rigid way to be, you know? Like, you have to just accept the fact that life is fluid, friendships are fluid, things are fluid, and not everything is going to work out the way that you want it to. And accepting that and adopting that mindset... I feel like puts you in a much better place to make compromises when it comes to how you're going to communicate and when you're going to see each other. Yeah. I think if you're so, you know, rigid about things, it's really hard to have that flexibility in that movement. And then that like makes it really, really hard to keep a friendship alive. Like, and if, if also like, if you're the friend who's getting mad that like your friends aren't reaching out to you enough, Communicate that. Yeah. You know, like, be willing to adjust and move along. I think this is great because the next question was, like, tips on maintaining a long-distance friendship. And when you first, like, said that you were going back to London, I mean, back to New York, the East Coast, I immediately was like, well, anyway, no, she's not, so moving on. (laughs) But then it obviously became real. And it was very sudden when it became real. Yeah. It was like... <laughs> I didn't... I still don't know what I'm doing and I didn't know what I was doing when I was yeah. moving out. And, yeah. and then it was like, oh no, like, I'm officially like flights booked, like gone. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. And before you left, I was like, I'll see you at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like that was immediate. It was like, I, the next time I'm going to see you is Thanksgiving. There was no like, um, when am I next in New York? It was like, I don't have a plan to be in New York City Well, because also it was so easy, like... That worked for both of us. So it was like, let's do it. Yeah. Like the second there's something that like works for both parties, whether it's traveling or meeting up somewhere, book it, plan it, get it done. Absolutely. Having certainty that you're going to see someone and like your friendship will be able to have this like in-person moment, I do think is really, really, really important. And if you have a friendship that's like travel prohibitive, like you won't be able to do that. Then find other things to do that mm-hmm. aren't just phone calls. You know, I have so many friends who do, like, FaceTime dates. Yeah. Where they order each other food. Oh, my God, that's so fun. And they eat dinner together. Yeah. Or, like, whether it's dinner and breakfast. because Bring back the COVID difference. way of friendships. Exactly. Like, there are now so many ways for friendships to survive. Or, like, Helena and I, shout out Helena if you're listening. We love you, Helena. We used to, um, like, do, like, movie dates. We would, like, do, like, we do, like, watch party dates. Yeah. So we'd watch the same movie and we'd be texting our thoughts and whatever. And, like, there are super fun, like, activities you can do that aren't just, like, catching up over the phone. Yeah. That, like, do keep the friendship alive. Yeah. Because that's the other thing, too. Sometimes it feels like you're not making new memories together in a long-distance friendship because you're really just reporting back and forth, you know, or giving advice about situations, but you're not doing things to make new memories together. And whenever I, I start to feel that way, I, you know, ask myself, well, what could I do with this person? Can I see this person soon? Can we make a plan to be physically together in the same place face to face? And if that's not possible, is there something fun we could do? Can we read a book together? Yeah. And talk about the book. And like, my friend Katie just read one of my favorite books of all time. And like, 
that was so fun for the both of us because we got to talk about it all the time. I was so excited texting her and picking up her phone calls to talk about the book and like find things you can do that are not just reporting and updating and that are actually creating new memories. Yeah. And that for me oftentimes has been seeing people, but if it can't be seeing people, there's so many other things that you can do. No, I agree a hundred percent. And I mean like, yeah, travel is such a big privilege and like definitely if you if we had met like five years ago, I would not be able to be come and see you at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like when I was a uni student, there's no way. Like Yeah. It would not be happening. I had reading week and that like, one reading week is not funding a trip. Like no way. And that's it financially sucks. it would have been Yeah, it it does suck. Probable. And like, you know, you always want to be with your friends and like it's such like, I couldn't even get emotional thinking about that because I'm like, it's such an amazing thing to be like, I want to be with my friends. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's such a... To have Ooh. friends that you, like, really, like, want to spend time with. Guys, Veronica's been making me cry all week, so I actually can't cry again. <laughs> Sorry. I, like, we also, if anyone else loves crying, please DM me because I'm starting to think I'm really weird for it, but I love crying. I cry, like, every day. It's just it's the so contrast nice. I've just, I've just done two and a half years of no tears. Oh my God, and now the crying. floodgates are open, but... <laughs> Yeah, I just think it's, like, so amazing to be able to be, like, I want to be with my friends and to crave that friendship. And, like, I remember not even a fucking year ago I made a video being, like, Sally Rooney, shut the fuck up. When she was, like, as humans, we need other people. I was, like, I don't need anyone. I'm Miss Independent. And now I'm, like, like, even the reason I'm with Veronica right now is because, obviously, as I said in the previous podcast episode, had a bad time in L.A., um, been super stressed, super anxious, kind of just want to, you know, jump on top of every hotel room. And... I wasn't responding to Veronica or Christina <laughs> and they were messaging me. And, and then her mom. My mom called <laughs> me her. and she said, Mary, can you please respond to Veronica and Christina? Because if they get mad at you and they are allowed to get mad at you for this, you can't be mad that they didn't know how much you were struggling. And I was like, hey, oh mama, my God. when did we start spitting bars like that? When did mom we start? <laughs> like, when did we start doing that? Um, so I did put in our group chat and I was like, hey guys, I'm not ignoring you. Hey. My mom did say that I should reach out. And then, you know, we had a phone call and then Veronica was like, just come here. And my mom was like, go. <laughs> so I'm here and like, you know. But I do think that is like a lot of times like friendships, like in-person friendships, a lot of it is jumping at opportunities. Yeah. And people don't realize that long distance friendships work the exact same way. And sometimes you have to manufacture the opportunities. Yeah. Because if you're not in the same city, it's not going to be like, oh my God, our favorite music artist is in town doing a gig. Let's go. Like sometimes you have to create the opportunity and be once again, intentional. Like that is my like one word of friendship is intentional. Yeah. Like, you need to be intentional in your friendships in and that applies to so the the way you say things the the things that you do it long distance friendships especially they don't just work out they don't just work out you have to they take work and time. they take work but also then that work becomes like muscle memory and it doesn't Absolutely. feel like a chore you know like once you learn how you want to communicate with your friends it becomes part of your daily, weekly, monthly, yearly mm -hmm. routine. And it's not a chore. It's not work. Yeah. And you don't have to really think about it. They just start working. It becomes so habitual. Well, it's like um, a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, like, it gets into a place where it can just sustain itself. You yeah. don't have to put in the work anymore. You've put in the work to, like, create a format that's going to function well. 
and then it just flows on that format. I will say that's applied to our friendship when um when when V and I first met, I was like in my grandma era, like fully retired. And every day well, okay, not every day, that's that's a bit extreme. I'm not gonna start a false narrative. Oh I'd say like every three days I would get a notification because my phone would be on silent obviously so I get a notification that I had a missed call from Veronica at 11.50pm and she me. will be like hey queen hey queen we're like 10 minutes away from your house in an uber are you coming out tonight you coming out and I'd be like girl like I'm full melatonin steep like just <laughs> journal. Like, I don't care get the crop <laughs> yeah. top on Veronica's like, get the crop get top on let's go and like at first I was like Bro, what the fuck? <laughs> and I said to you, I was like, girl, do you not sleep? I was like, what is this? And then I was like, obviously going out with you and like having such a good time. Party girl. And then it just kind of became this thing where I was like, this is how this friendship group like makes time for themselves in the day. This is what they do. And I'm not saying you have to go and get drunk. Like V and I really like don't drink yeah. like crazy. I don't really drink at all anymore, we actually. But... haven't drank together and however long like we had a glass of wine a quarter of a glass of wine (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was crazy of us and like i haven't drank in like a month and a half but like you know we would go out whatever and it would just be how you know everyone was at uni or like exam seasons and things like that so whatever yeah we'd go out at the end of the day and that kind of became such a habit for me that i was like mary Mary, just like you know get all your shit done earlier so you're not up at 11 p.m doing random things and then being like oh i can't come out now because i oopsie i left everything until 12 o'clock again my dream needs to be folded yeah and it's like well you're gonna miss out on the times that you have everyone and at this point we all knew that everyone was departing from london yeah and i was like you're gonna miss out on all these memories for what like yeah because you haven't this hasn't been a part of your routine before well i think that's the other thing too that friendships like will change your life in like a figurative like emotional way but also Mm -hmm literally like you might find yourself like your routine will change and it should change and and that's like not a bad thing if it changes in a way that's not suitable or sustainable for you then okay reevaluate but good friendships will change your life for the better Mm -hmm. and so true but I think it's like so nice that like that change doesn't have to be scary because it's so quickly turns into something that is second nature yeah you know it becomes so seamlessly a part of who you are oh yeah it's amazing actually um but this next question it makes me quite sad because like I've done this before and it's just it's just not worth it and I know it's such a harsh truth but like the question is (laughs) how to keep up with old friends when you no longer have things in common like school or university and I had to include this because you know, you guys listening know, I do not speak to a single person I went to school with. And it's interesting because we were having a conversation yesterday about friends being a reflection of who you are. And for a really long time, especially online, people were like, that's a really bad reflection of you because I don't speak to anyone that I went to school with. But my thing is I went to a school in which if I did remain speaking to those people, I wouldn't be able to be as happy as I am now or live the life that I live now. Because it was so not who I am. I also think, like, it's so ridiculous. Unless someone was a part of the friendship, Mm -hmm. they'll never be a fair judge of, like, 
why and how it ended. But that's the thing though. The the question being so focused on school and university, I'm like, this is what, why I said it's gonna sound harsh. For the majority of those people, they are not your friends. It might be that that was all you ever had in common and that was all you ever will have in common. But that's the thing, like, and you, you have to accept that the situation has impacted that and like, yeah. you can't always take that into the real world. Like, it's, it's not always sustainable to be like, because, and I think because school is so long, the value of the length of friendship comes into play and it's like, but I've known this person for 10 years and it's like, you then have to decide if you hold on to this friendship, is it going to hinder who you are? Because I think that that is so crucial because when you leave school, that really is when you start living and defining who you are. And are you gonna hold on to someone who's gonna go in a direction that isn't yours? Not, no one's gonna go in the same direction ever. Yeah. Are you gonna hold on to someone who's not gonna go in the same direction as you just because you have you've known them this long? And it can, it can cause detriment to you. If you are holding on to someone that you have no other reason to hold on to other than the fact that you've known them for this long, if they go in a path that could cause detriment to the path that you felt you were meant to go on, you will pay the price of that because you thought that it was, you thought that knowing someone for 10 years was worth risking everything for. Yeah. I think, I think, um, if you have friendships that have like, seen you through school and now adulthood you're very very lucky absolutely i have a handful of them and i'm feeling incredibly lucky about those relationships but there's also so many people i was friends with for years throughout all of school my whole childhood that i just don't talk to anymore and it's not because anything bad happened it's just because we grew apart and i think it's like the same thing with like long distance friendships is like accept that not everything is going to work out it's the same exact thing not every friendship is meant to be with you through every phase of life and if you can also rekindle friendships you can always rekindle friendships but i think also people are um hesitant to adjust the terms of their friendship and i think someone who really served you through your schooling and like your time in university or whatever it was because you had that thing in common you might grow separately in separate directions after you lose that thing that you had in common and that doesn't mean they're not someone you can't get dinner with once every couple months to see what they're up to and whatever mm -hmm. like i think people view things in very black and white terms like we don't have anything in common anymore so there's no reason for us to be friends yeah. and it's like if the only issue is that you don't have anything in common anymore that doesn't necessarily mean you don't have you there's no way to stay friends mm -hmm. i think you don't have to stay friends if you don't want to. We don't owe anybody friendship. Um, I think we owe people kindness and respect if they deserve it, but I don't think we owe anybody friendship. I think that's a choice that you get to make. Do I want to be friends with this person? You get to make that choice with every single person in your life. And you have to decide if you want to remain friends with somebody, even though you might not have anything in common anymore. Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then you have to ask yourself, okay, well, how can our friendship change in a way that it can still be a part of my life, but we're acknowledging the change, the situational change that has happened. And I think so many people won't take the time to kind of think that through and will just say, okay, the friendship doesn't work anymore, goodbye. Or they're upset about 
not having anything in common. So they're trying to force something to keep these people together. And it's like, I have so many friends that I hit up once a year, maybe twice a year and say, you know, like, Hey, I would love to see you. Let's go for lunch. Let's get coffee. And we have a catch up. I get to hear about their life. They get to hear about mine and we part ways and we know we'll do it again in six months to a year. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's still a friendship. To me, that's still a friend. It's someone who I'm happy to have in my life. But we've both mutually acknowledged that the thing that initially connected us and the thing that was honestly keeping us together for years is no longer present. Yeah. And sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. You know, be okay with the fact that things are going to change and that will help you, you know, make a plan. And it'll help you be comfortable with adjusting the terms of a relationship with somebody. But if you're totally closed off to the idea of a relationship with somebody changing, it's never going to work. It's absolutely never going to work because it's bound to change. Okay. That's Newton's fourth law. (laughs) You tell him, Queen. Okay. It is technically mine and V's last day together. um, Well, last evening together um, until Thanksgiving. So we do have to go and get dinner. I'm very hungry and... Yeah, we want to spend some time together. I need to blow up my hair. And she needs to blow up (laughs) her hair. So I am going to end on a little, like, advice, something you want to share, but I am going to narrow you down a bit. Okay. A lesson that you learned twice in friendship that you shouldn't have repeated. Mm. What's yours? I think this is something I did a bunch, like, my whole life until I had received this, like, gotten this piece of advice. I didn't realized that I was doing it or that it was a bad thing um so it wasn't just like a mistake I made twice I think it's a mistake I made probably a shit ton of times yeah and that well, twice just being a loose term yeah but that's that no one is a mind reader and that means <laughs> you that, me that yeah first of all you cannot be a mind reader to your friends meaning like you cannot start assigning motivations to their behaviors based off a hunch or a hypothesis. Unless you know for certain, because you have communicated about it, why someone did or said something, you cannot fill in the blanks. Your friends are not a Mad Libs for you to play around with. Like, you cannot assume or attempt to discern why someone did or said something unless you have that information from the source. So you cannot be mind reading your friends and and deciding with certainty this is why someone did or said something because then you will act on those hypotheses that you constructed and that's not fair to them because now you have this kind of you've you've basically <laughs> done a fake news on your friends. Yeah. You know, you've said, "Well, I'm mad at you because this is why you did or said this thing" or or you act based off this hypothesis that you made, and then someone has to defend themselves off of something that's like wasn't even true to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it's a ridiculous thing to do to your friends, but you also cannot expect your friends to read your mind. And if you're upset about something, and it's something you actually don't think you possess the ability to get over, I think sometimes you get mad about things and you have to just say, okay, you know what? I'm getting over it. It's not worth a conversation. But if you're mad about something and you feel like a conversation is necessary or something needs to be said or you're upset about something or whatever it is, if you feel some sort of way, you cannot expect 
that your friends will just pick up on that. And you can't be mad at them for not doing it. Not everybody has the ability to be super tuned in to other people's emotions. And that's not like a, a trait of being a bad friend. That's like a real skill that so few people possess and can be really, really hard to learn that you can't expect all of your friends to possess that skill. If you have needs that need to be met, you need to communicate them. And so I think I've done that a lot in friendships where I felt like my needs weren't being met. And it's like, well, I never communicated that. I never communicated that this was even a need I had. And I just expected my friends to look at me and know, which that's not really fair. And I'm not talking about like, you're crying and they're comforting you. I'm talking about, you know, when things aren't so obvious. I've definitely made that mistake a lot. And I've also made the mistake of thinking, you know, of reading someone else's mind or attempting to and saying, oh, I bet you she did this because of this, that and whatever. And it turns out that that wasn't the truth. And it it wasn't a fair suggestion of me to make or a fair conclusion of, for me to have come to in the first place. So I think that's like one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received that like, nobody is a mind reader. Your friends can't read your mind. You can't read theirs. Everything relies on communication and active communication. There is no like telepathy, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to my first guest episode with my bestie, Veronica. Ah! This is so exciting. I bestie. hope I did well interviewing you. Bestie. You're my first guestie. Yes, thank you guys so much. And thank you for sending questions. And I hope this was helpful because this has been a topic that people have been asking me about for years. And truthfully, I just didn't have friends when I started this podcast. So <laughs> I really wasn't in a position to start talking about friendship. But now I've grown so much and I've met like the best people I could ever imagine. So I really do feel like I'm in a place to talk about it. And so like is V, she is my friendship coach. So I hope this was beneficial and I will speak to you in next week's episode. Love you besties. Mwah.